Hello and welcome to another episode of Flynn's Walk. Jack, lovely to be back. Flynn's Talk, Jez, but close enough. That's fine. Let's roll with it. Flynn's Talk, yeah. Sorry. Flynn's Walk is embedded in us because that, that is what we are about. That's our mission. But this is Flynn's Talk, the podcast version of the walk. Um, of course, we, we can't hold our walks at the moment. So we thought, let's continue the conversation and, and chat to all the wonderful people who um, we've come to know, I guess, over the last couple of years. Um, That's exactly right. So what are we talking about today? Yeah, exactly. Um, pets, Jez. I know you love pets. I love pets. You're a dog owner. I'm a cat oh, owner. Um, everyone's a sucker for a little fur child. So we thought we'd dig a little bit deeper, I guess, into why people are pet obsessed. But you and I... We're just a couple of slack-jawed yokels, um, pet owners, but we thought we'd bring in two vets who know a lot about pets. In fact, two vets who talk pets, um, their very own podcast. First of all, he is known uh, down in the Port Melbourne area for his veterinary surgery skills. Uh, He's an animal behavior expert, and he's also an author of books. Now, that officially comes from his email signature, Ladies and gentlemen, it's Dr. Lewis Kirkham. Hey, guys. Hey, Jack and Jezza. How are you going, guys? It's, um, the pleasure is actually all mine to be uh, interviewed by the two guys from Sin Radio. Uh, Enigma <laughs> Show, wasn't it? Was, oh. that, was that, the, that the go? Big fan here, guys. Yeah. No, it's... Wow. Um, we're, yep. Big fan. We, we were a fairly big deal back in uh, 2009, and um, we've come a long way. People have said we were the original Hamish and Andy. Well, I'd, I'd go with that. I've, I've certainly, I've still got a, a, a portrait signed by both of you guys on, on my bedroom wall. It's just a pity we're recording in the study, or I'd show you. I would hold on to that. It'll, it'll only get, it'll only get uh, more valuable. But, but seriously, guys, seriously, guys, it's great to, uh, great to be, be here to, uh, you know, tonight or today on the podcast, uh, supporting you guys at Flynn's Talk. It's, it's amazing what you guys have, uh, have got happening. Um, supporting us as a veterinary profession. Uh, it's, it's, just, it's just fantastic. It's well overdue and, and, and thank you very much for having us on. And somewhat um, aptly, there's a, there's a block of townhouses um, next to me, uh, just next to where I'm recording and a cat fight's just broken out. Um, I don't know if that's because they've heard who our next <laughs> guest is, but uh, he's uh, the, the boss dog out at uh, Waverley Animal Hospital and um, he shares his spare time with his two cats. I'm told, unless that's uh, outdated information from the website, Robbie. Uh, it's Dr. Robbie Anderson. Hey, guys. Thank you very much for having us. Uh, yeah, no, that's our two cats out there having a little bit of a fight. That's good. That's uh, going to be a uh, you know, a little bit of work for the local clinic in the next couple of days once the uh, abscesses start to come out. You know, it's always good to keep the economy going in these uh, in these tough times. So it's exactly good, good, right. good, to, good to see the cats going out there and uh, – yeah, you know, keeping keeping business going. That's great. Yeah, it is. Um, it is particularly tough times at the moment, and we've and we've bolted on and banged on about that. Um, in all shapes and forms, it seems pretty hard to escape. Um, the burning topic at the moment, which is FPOS machines. Let's be honest, uh, Lewis. FPOS machines are the real issue at the moment. FPOS machines. Yeah, Rob, Robbie's got a new one. I think I'm new. Robbie, the the what is that? A three and a half inch or five and a quarter inch floppy in there. That's fantastic, mate. Upgraded. Oh, for, uh, yes, yeah, the, the Commodore 64 FPOS machine. Yeah, no, that was good. I just dusted that one off just for you guys. Um, no, no, it was good. It was actually, um, you know, just when you think you can't fit what you need to under the three and a half, you know, you can just uh, crack it out under the five and a quarter. It's great. We're still talking about FPOS <laughs> machines. How does it go wheeling that out to the car park, mate, when you want the, the, um, the clients who aren't allowed in the clinic 
to pay for their consult. Is that, that a bit of a problem? Uh, look, we, we've actually come around that by uh, getting a couple of pineapple tins and um, we've sort of rolled some aluminium foil <laughs> into a really long little little wire. So we've actually been able to sort of uh, you know, jerry-rig it together because it actually turns out the two pineapple tins and and, and strings about the same level Love of technology it. as the Commodore 64. So so we've been able to circumvent <laughs> yeah. that 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 particular uh, you know, uh, problem with social distancing. Yeah. So yeah, but you've got to get creative these days. Exactly right. Uh, you know, as, as I'm sure everyone has. It's all about adapting. It's about pivoting, changing the way you do things. Absolutely, Jeremy. You've you got to think on your feet. You've got to be um, agile. Jeremy, you're like a ninja. You're, you're not in yeah, marketing, are you, Jeremy? Pivoting. Oh, not in my, not in my current <laughs> profession, no. Very good. Maybe in a previous yeah, life. That's when you were on Enigma, was it? Yeah, that's right. No. Exactly. <laughs> I love it. I was going to say, how deep did you dig back into the uh, Wikipedia page there, Lewis? I mean, that's, uh, <laughs> oh, look, you know. What other dirt do you have on these boys, mate? I, you know, I've got my, I've got my researchers, and I put them, put them on the job. When the call came out that we were going to be interviewed, I thought I've got to know who these, uh, <laughs> these, these two guys are. No bit of background, and um, you know, J- Jeremy's a big, big guitarist since he's moved on since then. And um, is that just no, because he's, he's got two he's guitars quite, quite, in the background yep. of his picture, mate? Yeah, that's. <laughs> Even I could have bloody told you that. Inspector Clouseau here. Yeah. Don't, don't, don't give it away. <laughs> You're breaking the fourth wall. You forget it's a podcast, Robbie, and I'm on top of it. The other thing is, so, well, we're here, gents, because we want to dive into the, the animal realm and, and why people own pets. And, and Lewis, you're somewhat of um, a self-proclaimed animal behavior expert or guru, uh, as the word is thrown around. Does that mean you know why dogs smell each other's bums? <laughs> very good, very good. Firstly, we better get because I saw him doing it. <laughs> better get it out there that um, <laughs> that I'm technically not allowed to be called an expert at behaviour because I'll get in trouble with my mm-hmm. with my registration with that. So I I do have a further degree in animal behaviour. And thank you also for mentioning uh, the two books that I have out, which um, Robbie will mention the website later for a plug. But um, do they? Why do they sniff their bums? That's a really good question. Um, I've asked lots of dogs and I don't get a lot of answers, so I'm not really sure. Communication, possibly, because it's there. Are you asking the right hey. end there, Lewis? Oh, <laughs> which end should I be? Oh, no, if, if one doesn't work, maybe try the other. You've only got two to choose from. You've got a 50-50 chance. Yeah, fair enough, fair enough. But, yeah, look, it's uh, certainly certainly on a serious note, it's some sort of communication, I'm sure, that that goes on there. There's plenty of that happening in the park, though, that's for sure. Yeah, well, Jeremy and I, have um, we've known each other a long time, tried a lot of communication methods, but that's... Uh, oh, hang on a second, where's this going? Yeah, we're yet to try that. We will actually eventually, um, we'll eventually get serious uh, and delve in a little bit here, but... Um, I was actually reading some I, – I Googled how many pets are there in Australia. How, how many pets do you reckon there are, Robbie? Uh, there will be um, uh, 2.8 uh, million. 1.8 million. Jez? Ooh, now, I know the actual answer. So am I giving a oh, radio true. guess or am I giving an actual guess? You're giving a radio guess. <laughs> I would go – before I knew the answer, I would have said 10 million. Okay. Lewis? Uh, registered pets or just pets? Ooh. There's a difference. Uh, yeah, no, quick, get up the Google machine. A- <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, look, I'll go three and, a, three and a half million. Three and a half million. None of you are even close. Apparently, there are more pets in Australia than there are people. Whoa. Wow. That's impressive. Obviously not registered then. No, well, that's well, that's not for us to uh, to police. Or well, maybe it is. I don't know. Uh, that could be another series. But 
Well, it's interesting. I was reading, it, it was a paper that released by um, Animal, Animal Medicines Australia um, and actually came up via the RSPCA website. And I was just looking, okay, that's a, that's a, lot, of, that's a lot of pets. Um, obviously, a lot of households must have a lot of animals and some have none and a few have some. But um, what was interesting too is that 60% or more than 60% of people actually consider their pet as a family member. Um, as a fur child or a fur baby. And I guess you guys are right at the coalface with that in terms of you're dealing with pet owners, um, some of which are a little bit nuts, um, but that's okay. And I just, I, I more wanted to get your perspective from you, Robbie, first on why do you think we, what is this obsession with animals? Uh, it's an excellent question. I think it, um, I guess it comes down to there's different things that different people find in their lives that bring them joy, that bring them happiness, that bring them peace, that um, gives them um, purpose. Uh, you know, owning pets is different things to different people. You know, for the wrong people, for, for some people, it's a status symbol. You know, but for most of the part, I think it's um, you know, it's something fun. We've probably uh, had pets when we were younger, or seen other people having pets look like a fun thing to do, and so then you get into it, and it's probably not until you get into it that you realize just how much of an effect it has on you that's it and now uh, something that's written about and mentioned a lot is the human animal bond lewis like for us sort of lower tier common folk what what does that mean because it sounds it sounds grandiose it sounds like oh that's a very that's a big thing the human animal bond how do i get in how do i buy shares in that uh, like what does that mean well that's a really good question um the human animal bond, I guess, is is essentially the the connection between the pet and their owner um, is is what we use it for. Certainly, um, when it comes to the animals that we see, um, and and it's it's about uh, the care that that goes um, from the owner to to the pet um, because they feel empathetic towards um, towards their animal when they're unwell or uh, when there's something wrong with them. Um, and then there's that uh, that um, response or reciprocal arrangement that comes from the pet um, that uh, that uh, um, that defines the bond. So so when the pet um, is able to provide comfort and support and always wagging the tail when they arrive home or you know, being happy to see them, I guess that's that's the sort of uh, uh, what we see from f- coming from the pet, so that so the human animal bond is something that, um, as vets, we're very cognizant of, um, making sure it's it's well held, and sometimes in behaviour perspective, when repairing that bond, when when the pets you know become aggressive towards the owner, um, or something like that, and the bond can be broken. That is interesting. I guess it's that you guys work closely with seeing clients with with animals, and there's that shaping of, I suppose. A puppy or a kitten, as an example, all the way through to potentially an elderly animal, uh, right through their life. Robbie, you see that journey and you share that. You guys walk side by side with the pet owners every day. That's that must be incredibly rewarding. Uh, it is, and it's um, it's actually interesting uh, that you that you bring that up. Like I was thinking about this the other day of the things that actually got me into the profession. And you know, when I was um, a kid, it was um, you know, uh, oh yeah, go. In all honesty, my parents said, go and be a vet, you'll make money. Not really, you know, all right, not crying poor, but, you know. Um, then once I got to high school, it was more, well, I want to be a vet because, you know, I actually 
like science, you know, and I actually really enjoy the way that things work. Um, got into vet school and then once I actually became a vet and had all these grand plans, I go, oh, maybe I really want to try and see how far I can, you know, sort of go with being a vet. Turns out I just like talking to people, you know, who'd have thought, you know. Um, so, you know, what I find – Have you ever thought of starting a podcast? Well, it's funny you mentioned that, Jeremy, you know. <laughs> You got any ideas, mate? You, you know, you given it. Got any tips for me? Um, uh, so, so the, the the thing for me is that um, you know, seeing like so with where I am now here at Waverley, I've been here for ten years, and so now I've seen these animals from when they were puppies through to now they're geriatric or for when they were young dogs into now when they're really, really geriatric and reaching the point of got to be getting to be put to sleep. So it's a, it is a real journey that you go through, and um, one that you know, I see as a privilege that the owners decide to um, let me come along with them. So, yeah. Yeah, that's cool. So wanting to change tact a little bit, you guys at the start of the show talked a little bit about the ATMs and how how sort of vet life is changing with the both of you. Do you want to talk a bit more about the struggles of this sort of new COVID world that you're having and maybe some of the positives if there are any? Yeah, it, it, it's been it's been really tough um, since uh, uh, you know when you you guys will remember when we had that first Sunday of when everything had been cancelled. You know there was no you know uh, footy hadn't started yet. Um, everyone's sport, the kids' sports had been cancelled. No one was doing anything other than sitting at home. And then suddenly out came the the rumour. Someone sent around the thing from Daniel Andrews, a Victorian Premier, going, Victoria's going into shutdown. And then suddenly there was this flurry of text messages from staff and other vets that I knew going, are we going to be open next week? What's going on? So all of a sudden we've seen this sort of this sort of building wave of we don't really know what's going on to suddenly it's crescendoed into this thing over the week over that weekend of are we even still going to be open? And then on the Monday, the clients were jumpy and the staff were jumpy. So then the animals were jumpy. Um, it kind of leveled off a little bit, but then things tightened up a little bit again. Um, so for us here, um, like this month's been really tough. Like the first half of this month was um, like we really, um, really took a big hit at the start of this month. Um, partly because we were, um, you know, I think where we are, the people around in this area, they they fully went into lockdown, you know, and so nobody was coming in to see us. Um, that meant we were trying to still keep the staff going, trying to protect the staff, trying to work out how to, how to try and deal with it. So we came up with different tricks and methods and we've sort of worked that out so that now we've got a really good way of being able to keep that connection with our clients, be able to provide the service for our patients um, and yet still be able to provide employment for our staff. And so a little bit of background on me, my partner's a emergency nurse and their their numbers have been down about 50%, maybe a bit more than 50% lately because there's a lot of people staying away from the hospital even when they should actually be there because of the fear of getting COVID or for not wanting to put the burden on the on the healthcare system. Is that is that something you're finding as well with the with the vet clinics? I'll look certainly I'll jump in there. Port Melbourne from Port Melbourne aspect where where we are, we are slammed at the moment. We're the busiest probably we've been um for quite a while now i'm not sure if it's actually i i'm not an owner so i'm not not all over the figures um i'm an employed vet um there so um certainly every day is, is a really really busy day um i um 
Uh, I was on holidays for sort of the school holidays um, with with kids at home, and then I've been back at work. Uh, it must be three weeks now with no owners allowed inside the building. Um, so, and it is just flat out. I don't know whether people are at home looking at their pet, going, "Oh, geez, uh, geez, the dog's sleeping a lot," or the, "Oh, the cats, the cats running up the curtains." It never does that. Well, it probably does do that, but you're just not home to see it. But bring it in anyway, get it, get it checked out. So, certainly the first week I was back, it was it was that busy. At the at the end of the week, I was absolutely exhausted, and I reckon for the first time, I remember in my vet career actually mentally just pooped, just totally stuffed, and um and sort of had um you know the weekend or whatever had the Saturday just was a day where I just sat and did nothing really, which I never do. That's really unlike me, and just it just uh, highlighted to me that that I, I guess I'm not so good with change, and the change of not having owners in there to discuss things and and the time constraints. It takes a lot longer to do a consult. You're on the phone a lot. You can't see sort of uh, people's uh, emotional body language stuff. So. You know, you're talking to someone about something that's really wrong with their animal. Um, you kind of like that feedback from the owner. Are they getting really upset about it or are they taking this in? Or, you know, are the things I'm suggesting perhaps price-wise are way out of their bracket and their eyes are lighting up going, oh, gosh, this is, you know, so there's a lot of stuff that I think as vets we take for granted when we have that face-to-face contact with owners. And while I, I love the dream job idea of animals only in the clinic, it's just not quite as dreamy as I like, but it's getting better. It is interesting too. You, you touched on the fact that um, people are home more. I mean, I'm working from home at the moment. Actually, I'm on a stand down um, still from from my job, but my girlfriend's home. We're both here. You notice everything the cat does, and we actually bought the cat a little cat bed, which I've mentioned a couple of times. Um, as Jez will know by now, ten bucks came up. Get around it. She's she loves it. Um, nice plug. Get the check checks in the mail from Kmart, hopefully. Yeah. That's out. Yeah. Get them involved. We are looking for sponsors, Kmart. Look, Kmart's not a sponsor, guys. Kmart's a way of life. Okay. So <laughs> the fresh food people, yeah. Something like that. Um, but the thing is, is that people are home more with their pets, Lewis. And 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 that that same survey that I pulled a couple of numbers out um earlier on was saying that people on average spend about three to four hours with their pets a day. That's got to be like 8, 10, 12. God, I mean, really, I'm spending almost 24 hours a day with the cat. Uh, if, you, if you take out sleep, I mean, she sleeps on the couch most nights in a little new bed. But now's got to be the perfect time to start teaching my dog some new tricks, right, or cat? <laughs> well, you, you say you, you're with your, your cat 24 hours a day, but you're asleep. Well, typically the cat's asleep for 21 of those hours, so it's really only three hours <laughs> you're together anyway. Yeah. <laughs> but but certainly, yeah, look, uh, you know, I've, we've got a lot of clients actually, um, Port Melbourne area, that it's a great time to get a puppy, they think. You know, oh, I'm at home. Let's get, yeah. a, let's get a new puppy. So mm. there's, a, there's a, a adoption numbers at, at shelters are, are sky high, really through the roof at the moment. Um, and then there's a lot of people getting new puppies as well, which that throws up a whole lot of different uh, issues of socialization of new dogs because you can't mix with mm. other dogs and yep. other people and that sort of thing. And I think we, we've talked about that on our podcast, certainly. But, but yeah, look, yeah, you're right. Um, you know, um, people are at home. They're at home with their animals. Um, I guess there's, it's great that they get comfort and enjoyment um, and companionship if they're, if they're home on their own from their animals. It's just, that, that's really a fantastic part of it. But the offshoot of that is that I think they are seeing a lot more things that perhaps they wouldn't normally see because they are at work. You guys spoke on your last podcast um, about separation anxiety and about how that may not like at the moment, all our pets are loving us being at home. Maybe not the cats, more so the dogs. 
but that that could really be a could really be a problem in the future when everyone goes back to work and the pets are like, oh, what's going on now? We've had all this great time together and you're leaving me all of a sudden. Yeah, totally agree, mate. And uh, thanks, thanks for listening to the last episode. I think we had a spike from two to three, so it must be that extra one. Thanks, Jeremy. Really appreciate that. Um, but but yeah, you're right. Look, yeah, we we worry about um, separation anxiety. Um, dogs, some cats do get separation anxiety as well, and we're just not sure as as far as us behaviourists go whether we'll see a spike in that dogs that are just have a propensity to get separation anxiety will get it when they go from being home with uh, with their owners all day, every day, to suddenly going back to work for 10 hours and they're on their own and they're like, wow, that, that's really, really huge. Or whether we're actually going to see some dogs that, that have no propensity, but because they've been with their owner for so long, they might start getting separation anxiety. And separation anxiety for listeners out there is where, you know, when you leave, um, your dog, sometimes your cat becomes, uh, they might uh, howl and bark, they might destroy things, they might uh, urinate defecate inside the house um lots of lots of behaviors which which can be distressing for owners but particularly distressing for pets and also destroys that human animal bond that we talked about yeah that's it um actually just on that on the behavior part lewis um i heard you refer to the behavior journal club that you're a part of aside from sounding very interesting and very cool Nerd squad, nerd squad. <laughs> what, is, what does that actually involve? Um, it's a whole bunch of like-minded people jumping together, sharing, thinking. And what, is there actually a physical journal? Who keeps it? I've got so many questions. <laughs> well, well, Jack, I unfortunately, mate, um, when you do join the circle of trust, I will be able to share more information of Journal Club to you. Very, in many ways, very meet the parents, but also a little bit of Fight Club too. So you heard it here um, first. This is this is the most interest that there's been in your behaviour journal club ever. I'm loving it. Nerd and out, massive. This is this is insane. Uh, look, yeah, it's journal club. It's just basically a group of us behaviour uh, guys that are the uh, vets. Um, who some have done PhDs, uh, some are like myself, got an uh, extra degree in animal behaviour. Yeah, great. We meet up about once a month. There is, uh, and we choose any journal article or any article or reference um, on behaviour that might might seem interesting, um, and then uh, and then we talk about it. We nerd out. Nerd Love it. Out. Um, just going back in a step too is um, there are a lot of people adopting and getting uh, puppies, which we never really want to deter people from going to an animal shelter or, or adopting an animal, but it is it is a tough task, I suppose, um, Robbie. It's important to remind people that um, you know a dog is a dog for life, or a cat is a cat for life, whatever it might be. It could be a guinea pig, but you make that choice and make that investment, and they'll add so much to your family. But um, it is for life. Hundred uh, percent, mate. Well, it's not as easy as just going and um, uh, you know, get getting the dog, taking it home, going and stopping it at the supermarket and buying some food, and then away you go. Um, there's an awful lot to think about. You know what is, and this is one of the things that we've been talking about is not just what your life is looking like now in the midst of the current COVID crisis, but what your life's going to look like when it goes back to normal. You know, how much time are you going to have to exercise the dog? Where's the, where's the dog going to be staying? Um, how, how active uh, are you going to be at your most active? You know, um, how, how much room have you got? What sort of, are you going to be able to groom the dog? Should you get a cat? You know, um, all of those things. So the, one of the things that I um, always recommend to, you know, 
well, my friends, when they ask me about it, it's like, yeah, make sure you talk to a vet, which I, which they do because I'm a vet. Um, but if anyone's out there is actually thinking about, I wonder what sort of dog would be good for me. It's actually not the not a bad idea to actually ring up a vet clinic. Either have a talk to the nurse, or they might even be able to put you onto a vet. I'm not Lewis's because they're too bloody busy. But you know, um, yeah, they <laughs> might. Um, but we might be able to give you some advice as far as what what sort of breeds would work well for you. Um, yeah, and sometimes it's like you know. We also know all the bad stuff that happens with them, which isn't necessarily great either. But, uh, you know, it's really important to do your homework and make sure because um, once you've got a dog, uh, especially you know, once you've fallen in love with it, um, then any of its problems then become your problems. Well, as, as similar to that, uh, the RSPCA campaign that was run a while ago that uh, uh, puppy or kitten is not just for Christmas. I think in the same lines, they bring out a new campaign, uh, puppy or kitten is not just for COVID. Didn't know. Didn't know they they were a successful vaccination. You get, you just so on that, yeah, you wear them like a mask. <laughs> just a, just a, just on a, that topic, guys. I I read an article today that there is a pug in New York that has recently cr- contracted COVID. I have a three year old border terrier. Should I be putting her in a hotel to socially isolate? Oh, it's not a pug, mate. It'll be fine. <laughs> I find most interesting about that is how a pug actually managed to breathe something in in the first place. Yeah. You know, I thought the nurse that small, you wouldn't be able to fit a virus particle through there. Yeah, that's pretty impressive. Well, how'd they get a sw- how'd they get a nasal swab too? That's the other thing. Got to shove a swab up the nose. <laughs> they just held the swab in front of it, and when it just snorted out all the snot, they just caught it. We love all animals on this podcast. Oh, absolutely. I'm just seeing this pug in New York graffitiing on a wall, pug life. Well, he's eating a bit of a... In a Brooklyn laneway. Eating a bit of bee nani bread. Oh, absolutely. Whatever that is. What's that? I'm going to leave you hanging on that one, mate. No way. It's all over Insta, guys. No, I didn't get that reference either. Come on, millennials. Banana bread, it's the go-to. Everyone's making it online, aren't they? For anyone out there, you can text in and let us know what uh, what Beanani means. <laughs> Beanani bread, mate. Oh, sorry, Beanani bread. Yeah, he's trying to he's trying to make it hip for you guys, but you know it's just not working. This is like this is like yeah. what happens like, when your dad tries to be cool. He's adding more to it and clarifies it. Mm, okay, boomer. I'm I'm trying to I'm trying to yeah, it's right exactly. <laughs> Spot on. I'm trying to Google it as we speak. Look, we've gone we've gone a little bit silly and wacky, which is probably the perfect time. Um, I wanted to ask you both, starting with you, Robbie, about um, an interesting pet story, an interesting client story of a wacky animal, exotic, most exotic patient you've had um, over your time. Oh, most impressive one, I suppose. Uh, most impressive one was I did do a behaviour consult for a clouded leopard once. Which was that was quite exciting, yeah. So uh, again, uh, circle of trust, guys. It's a uh, you know client, uh, client animal, uh, not client, a uh, uh, pet, a uh, vet, animal confidentiality. I can't give too many details away, but uh, fair to say, fixed, fixed, of course. And I was a hero. And in yes, in the world of Tiger King, was this a privately owned animal? <laughs> 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 Carol Baskin. There we go. Hey, who had that on the bingo sheet? And we're 35 minutes in and we've mentioned Carol Baskin. <laughs> hey, all you cool cats and kittens. Robbie, one from you. Weird and wonderful. Back when I worked in Warrigal, it was a um, an interest. So, uh, 
I did sort of mixed practice out there, um, large animals and small animals. At one of our dairy clients, um, they wanted to start going into breeding boxes. And so they went and bought themselves a, a, a young, pristine male boxer dog and a young, pristine female mm. boxer dog and thought that everything would just, you know, happily and swimmingly, you know, just go, go ahead with uh, what was going to happen. Turned out that the young, virile male uh, boxer dog wasn't interested in the young, virile female boxer dog. He was more interested in the entire 14-year-old border collie that used to chase the cows around. So then the uh, the 14-year-old border collie ended up with uh, eight puppies that had to go in there and help to try and uh, help to try and give birth because she was so damn old she was struggling to try and push them out. Um, the the, the mum and the puppies went fine and everything was great. And then um, about uh, six months later, he rang me up again after hours one day saying, uh, "Can you come in? The old girl's uh, having trouble getting these pups out." He go, "What?" Wow. You let him get near her again. So, so yeah, she had two litters um, at fourteen plus, and uh, eventually they did get a litter out of the uh, out of the, their female boxer, um, and she ended up having twelve pups. Wow! I had, and it delivered them by cesarean. It was uh, in, insane. Like the dog looked like she was just about to explode, and then afterwards there was just nothing left to her tummy. So I do have another story, but I'm not sure if we've got enough time for it. But uh, I did work with a work with a vet once who. I uh, came into work one day and he had his had his finger bandaged up, and uh, and sort of uh, um, finger was all uh, all sort of bandaged up. And I said, "Oh, what happened to your finger, mate?" And it turned out it was the it was the middle finger, and uh, and he sort of you know showed showed. And the story goes that he uh, he actually uh, went home to his wife, and his wife sort of said, "You know, oh, show me your finger." So he's given her the. Uh, the uh that shown her the middle finger sort of thing and then she's gone oh gosh that's a bit rude and he smiled and he actually was missing a front tooth as well she's gone well how, well, how'd you how'd you hurt your, your middle finger but then also how'd you lose your front tooth at work and the story goes that he was doing a consult with a cat um in in the consult room and uh and the cat bit him on the finger, on the middle finger, got a nice big bite on the middle finger. But at the same time, he was holding a pen in his mouth. And as the cat's gone, as the cat's bitten him, he's gone, ow, and his head's gone down and he's oh. head butted the pen on the oh. desk and it's broken oh. his front tooth off. Classic story. <laughs> there you go. How good that? There you go. I, I had one. That is just. Oh, there's so much to unpack there. I had one back when I was in Warrigal. It was um, it was late on a Friday night, uh, and it was I was looking at a ferret. Right, someone had brought their ferret in, um, and uh, and she was she was a bit anemic. So I've looked in her. Um, oh, I've got less than a minute. I better be quick. Um, so I opened up her mouth, um, and then she bit me, sunk it straight in my fingers. Right, I got oh, she pulled it off, bit me back in the finger again. So yeah. You know, got the ferret root, went up to the hospital and said, oh, I've been bitten by a ferret. They're going, oh, it looks like you need antibiotics. I said, yeah, that's what I'm here for. They said, we've got to start with an injection. An injection? Yeah, absolutely. Where am I going to get that? And the nurse has gone, in your bum. So I had to lie there on the on the bed, oh. you know, pants down, and it goes, shit. So I had an awful lot of compassion for giving cows injections of antibiotics after that. Done. I suppose there's an opportunity as well with, with – um all different members of the community hopefully listening to this podcast, pet owners and pet lovers and um, potentially clients of yours. Um, Robbie, is there something that, that we can be doing as a community throughout this time, but I guess outside of this this wacky time we're in, to help make it a little bit easier inside 
um, your four walls at work. Or you, you mean as in sort of directly for the the vet clinic and help helping us out, or how they how the people can just help themselves at home? Probably a little bit of both. How people can help themselves, but I was thinking more. I was thinking more around your clinic and and what what a community of pet owners can be doing to ease stress on you guys. Uh, you know, I think I think the big thing is is um, is be understanding. You know, and and that really goes for not just people coming in here. That goes for you know when you're going to Woolworths and there's a you know one one thing of hand wash left and there's a little old lady going to get it. I probably wouldn't elbow her out of the way to um to try and get it from her. You know, I think um you know being being uh, respectful and mindful and empathetic to the situation that everyone's in. Um, you know, anyone that's out there working, anyone that's uh, you know, doing anything is doing so because they're, they're committed to their job and uh, sort of deserves uh, deserves your respect because if you respect them, they'll respect you and then we all respect everybody and it's a big respect-a-thon. Well said and I'm sure I'm sure a bit of cake or a Domino's delivery like all the hospitals are getting wouldn't go astray either. Uh, absolutely. Yeah, um, I, I in particular like uh, like chocolate uh, and lollies. Uh, pizza definitely. Donuts, donuts don't go astray. Um, I've got. I need to be careful though about not posting about donuts on social media though. I did that last year, and oh my goodness, did I get in some trouble. <laughs> <laughs> I think as far as what clients can, from my perspective, what clients can do to sort of help us in the vet clinic on, on a day-to-day basis is I reckon the biggest one for us is just patience. Try and be a little bit more patient with us. We, uh, you know, yesterday um, at work, I was I was at work for good uh, two hours longer than, than uh, I, I was um, meant to be kind of thing, but that's fine that we have those days. But I was there for two hours just uh, basically picking up phones, putting them on hold. We had three people out the back of the clinic waiting to come in. We had four people out the front of the clinic with their animals waiting to come in um, and you know I was picking up the phone basically just saying to people look do you mind holding and people were saying oh I've already held once uh, you know well, do I have to hold again I'm just out the back you know and it was like well yes I appreciate that we're doing our best inside here to get through everything to get everyone you know every animal seen before we all go home so I think just a little bit of patience that uh, it's, it's all different for us um, you know yes you, you want to come in the clinic you want to be with your pet um, we want that too, but we can't do it at the at the moment. And we're just we're all vet, vets, vet nurses, um, you know, anyone receptionists. We're all just doing our best. And I and I really like red wine too. Ooh, hot tip, hot tip. Well, if if any of our listeners are out there, um, are, are clients of yours, Lewis or Robbie, then they know what to bring you next time. My word, well done. Excellent work, gents. Um, as you say, everyone is just doing their best at the moment and you guys certainly uh, are making an example of that. So well done to you guys for managing through this time, but um, in normal times as well for all the work you do to look after us, um, nutty and zany and interesting pet owners and pets. Um, and thanks for having a chat on Flynn's Talk. Exactly. Thanks for taking some time out of your busy lives for us. Pleasure, guys. Good to chat. Absolute pleasure, guys. Thank you very much. And if any of your listeners want to check us out, you can find us at Two Vets Talk Pets at uh, on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. And, you know, Lewis often likes just standing outside of his clinic just yodeling on a uh, on a, um, on a a milk crate. So that's uh, usually where, where you can find us. But um, thanks a lot for having us on. Um, we're, both Lewis and I are pretty passionate about uh, uh, Flynn's walk and to be involved in Flynn's talk, it uh, brings us much joy and happiness. So thanks for having us, guys. Wonderful. Thank you. Scratch you later, guys. Jez, those pair, Mate, that- <laughs> always good value. Um, 
that was that was a uh, that was a crazy half hour. Oh no, and it, it just go, it goes like that. But um, Dr. Lewis and Dr. Robbie are always good value, and I loved their work at the ball um, back in February. They they were great, and um, they've been really good friends of ours, and and helping us um, get things moving and, and spreading the message, which has been really nice. And exactly right. We did have a laugh, and we did poke a bit of fun, um, and we talked a bit of rubbish. But um, all of this is because we, we're trying to shed some light um, on the issues that vets do face and more broadly, um, mental health challenges that people are facing everywhere in the community. And Jez, as always, uh, there are really great resources out there and ways to get help if you need it. There certainly are. There's there's a lot of online resources that we've mentioned before. There's Beyond Blue, Kids Helpline, Headspace, Are You Okay? Have a look, check them out if you need them. Uh, if you feel you're in a crisis or you need urgent help, please do call Lifeline on 131 114. Or if you feel it's an emergency, please call triple zero. But it's also important to mention that you should please subscribe to Lewis and Robbie's podcast, which is Two Vets Talk Pets. They're always they're always a, a great listen. And if especially if you're if you're an animal owner, they give some great tips and insights into into their lives and and the lives of your pets as well. Uh, and Lewis is forever trawling, like whatever the equivalent is of the odd spot now online and finding little mm-hmm. weird and wonderful things. Um, big Tiger King fan too. Yeah, correct. Jez, uh, appreciate the time and the conversation as always. Um, and I'll be speaking to you again soon. Look forward to it. <laughs>